0: This is Chirp, a podcast by Lernen wie Maschinen. I am Tina and your host today. We started this podcast as we are four women working in tech and AI who believe in inclusive technology. Every day, despite our best efforts, we see the perspectives of women and minorities considered as an afterthought, if at all. We want to connect with these communities and share their stories and break down the barriers they face, starting with our own stories. (music) Today's guest is one of the co-creators of CHIRP, Sarah Hark. Sarah is a senior data scientist at Artsy and a mentor at Women in AI Academy, as well as a subject expert contributor for the Certified Data Science Practitioner Exam. Hey, Sarah, welcome. Oh, thank you so much. You make me sound so impressive. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are. You are.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you.
0: Sarah, um, there's always this nice icebreaker question I like to ask. So mm. um, if your professional life uh, until today would be a movie, <laughs> which, which title would it have and why? Uh, laugh Out Loud, I think would be a good. <laughs> good <laughs> La- laugh Out Loud. I know that <laughs> one. Yes.
1: Out loud, yes, I think that would be the title of uh, my professional life so far.
0: Okay. And Why?
1: This has been so many, um, it's been a very unique experience, uh, especially um, I I used to work in insurance and I moved from insurance into uh, the world of data science and tech and each company I worked in brought its own challenges and then the next place brought a set of challenges and the next place brought a set of challenges. It's taken me, I guess, Five years or six years to laugh out loud, and so, <laughs> uh, to not take everything so like to not take everything so um to not hold on to everything so internally and thinking I I am the sole problem. Uh, but yeah, like I said, each place for its own challenges. So I hope we can discuss that and. Yeah, it's been a it's been a learning up to this point.
0: <laughs> That's a very interesting title choice, though. <laughs> yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah. If I got you correctly, you said you started with insurance, um, and like, what made you start working in data science? What was the spark that motivated you to pursue a career in data science?
1: Sure, so my role at insurance was a little bit different. I was a risk analyst there, and I was working a lot with Excel and VBA. So that opened up this world of coding. So not even data science, but the coding, coding and VBA. And then I moved into uh, fraud analytics. And that was where I got exposure to machine learning. And I also at the same time met one of my really close friends who was starting their own fam- uh, their own startup. And they sort of coached me and mentored me and shared all these Andrew uh, link, uh, Coursera links. And I was just completely blown away and really interested. And so this um, fraud analytics place I worked at, we're working on a really simple logistic regression model and we were trying to identify groups of uh, fraudulent behavior. And it was just so interesting to see how everything I learned at uni and school was being applied uh, in in like a few lines of code. And I guess that was something that I had never, I didn't know about up to that point. And then from there, I just, um, yeah, I started really trying to um, figure out ways to get into the field. And it's quite challenging. It's a very competitive field. Uh, if you ever look at the job description for data scientist, <laughs> uh, hence also why it should be called Lowell. Um, uh, I mean, it's part of my movie called Lowell. Uh, if you look at the job description data scientist, you have so many expectations from one person. So I really had to find my own way. Um, I, when I interviewed at the gym group, they had these uh, survival analysis projects and i said hey i'd love to do this and this will help me become a better data scientist and it just sort of yeah i I took different chances along my career
0: okay so there are two questions like the first one was um can you maybe explain to the listeners who don't know what regression is in a simple way what it means
1: very very simply it's all about predicting something and how far it is from reality and that's what. I do on my daily job with data science and machine learning, I am trying to predict something. I am trying to take some data and predict, um, is this person going to purchase something? Is this person going to leave? Is this person uh, specific? full under specific demographic? Is this person going to like a recommendation? That's that's, that's all I'm really doing. So uh, yeah, having like a little bit of understanding of regression um, is very useful in the field, but it doesn't have to be so complicated. You don't have to have a PhD in Econometrics to understand these things. Um, like I said, remember the graph, and just that's how that's what data looks like. It's just some <laughs> it's a, some coordinate on a graph
0: yeah actually that was surprising for me too when I learned about that one (laughs) like having that (laughs) having that graph like when I was in school I actually always asked myself like why do the why the hell do I need to learn this (laughs) and when I started looking into machine learning I I realized actually the stuff I learned at school doesn't make sense in this context Mm -hmm. so yeah so and the second question I had was actually you mentioned Coursera or like it sounds like online um, educational programs. Mm-hmm. So, did, because there's always the question: um, Does that really help? Is that something that can advance your career to to attend these courses, um, or is that doesn't it make sense if you really want to work in a professional data science job? What's what's your opinion on that? Did did you attend one of those courses and did it help you?
1: So, I always tell people not to make huge financial investments in any sort of um, uh, tech area, for example, I would not encourage anyone um, to spend hundreds of thousands doing a boot camp or uh, doing a masters. It always depends how much investment you're putting in. There's lots of online courses, and I, I you can learn a lot. I mean. Those Coursera courses were the, the, the first, of, of, and now we have so many different uh, variations, but those Coursera courses were truly the first of introducing people to machine learning, supervised learning, unsupervised learning, all the different algorithms that go under, all the different concepts that everyone's talking about. So I'm not someone that likes just watching lectures. I like applying things. So I never really had the attention span to go through everything from A to B, the last possible letter for, to get some of the fundamentals from the courses. I think the truth is, for me, I learned on the job. Like I said, my first project, I inherited uh, a project that was done by a group of statisticians. They had a very statistical approach to it. I took that project and I applied machine learning techniques to it. Uh, so I used something called random forest and survival, which isn't a very industry known. It's not something you learn on Coursera. It's something that I learned on on the job. And the truth is, with googling and the amount of um, information that we have available, uh, you can always find you can always find um, information. Uh, but of course, these uh, these courses, like I said, they are important. They are useful tools, and they're a great way to start learning. But yes, they can be very overwhelming. Uh, sometimes it's not as simple as like, oh, I completed this course now I deserve a job. I always tell people you have to find, take this knowledge and apply it to your day-to-day job. Show people that you understand these techniques and how to, um, uh, so sorry, uh, for example, if you're learning Python, try to use Python in your day-to-day job. That's when you can add more value um, to the job market. And know, so interesting, um, when I was working in fraud analytics, I was working on a machine learning project, but as a as a spectator, as a, a proof of concept. but. Adding machine learning to my CV, it was incredible how many um, recruiters I had contacting me. I'd never had so much attention. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a complete lie. I had worked on this project, and I, I've always been very transparent and honest. But yeah, just a little bit of knowledge, applying it or watching someone else do it, can really change your life. And that's why I encourage everyone to find opportunities in your day-to-day job to apply any data science technique that you're interested in.
0: And I think that's a very, very important point. Like I, I personally also have experience with online trainings. And yeah. I can I can definitely confirm that it helps you to understand the basics, to get a basic understanding of a topic. Um, but it's a, if you really want to uh, advance your career with the knowledge, you need to have a job where you can use this new knowledge and bring it to a next level. So like just what mm. you did with machine learning. It sounds to me like this is one of the um, challenges you, you overcame in your career so far. Like if you would have to name the three most surprising challenges you had to overcome in your career so far, which one would that be? Maybe not just on a technical level, but maybe also on other levels. I,
1: I was absolutely going to make that point. It doesn't feel technical. The challenges. It's been very, it's been very personal. The challenges, and that's why it's so hard to communicate these to um, leaders in the industry. So I think one one thing, you have to be very adaptable in the industry. You have to learn things very quickly. Um, you have to learn f- different coding languages very quickly. You have to learn different um, um, techniques very quickly. So that's, that's something, that's, that's not something to overcome. That's just, you have to be naturally adaptable. I think the things that come to my mind have been definitely imposter syndrome. I think seeing like some profiles and like LinkedIn, for example, or seeing people, um, especially a few years um, um, when I was starting out my career in data science, and you know, seeing the attention certain people were getting, how uh, recruiters would treat people in events. Um, I always felt like I didn't have the right skills or the right background and I wasn't gonna succeed in this industry. So that's, that's definitely one thing I've overcome. I, I've had to overcome a lot of, um, I think like negative feedback. It seems to be more common than positive feedback, unfortunately. And I'm not even negative, sometimes just neutral feedback. I mean, it's just it's it's just so demotivating. And I think I've definitely learned not to internalize um, people's harsh words. And I think you have a choice. I think you should always listen to everyone's perspective. That's that's so important for growing, but you don't have to accept everyone's perspective. You have the choice to say, I don't want to take your feedback. I don't believe or agree with what you're saying. And I think you have to sometimes look at feedback very objectively. So that's something that I've also had to overcome. And also I've had to overcome a lot of, um, it's quite hard to talk about honestly, so openly, but uh, some really like crushing, f- crushing moments um, varying from uh, sexual assault. And yeah, I, I'm really grateful um, for the people, um, the allies that I've had that really supported um, me. And it really has been very difficult the last few years because I feel those allies don't exist right now. And I don't think people realize like how messed up the industry can get, especially towards women. And it's when someone sees something and they try to stop it, they, they it, it then means like you can prevent it from happening to someone else and they can then hopefully prevent it from happening from someone else. And it's just really unfortunate that people just refuse to acknowledge this and try to fix it. And people let people get away with so many despicable and disgusting things all in the name of work. Um, so, yeah, that's that's been a really, um, really difficult part. And I'm really, like I said, really grateful for all the support I received. And yeah, it really sucks right now because I I do feel really I do. I do feel a lack of allyship and a lack of someone it sounds lame, but I think you do have to protect people when they're vulnerable. I think we all have a duty to protect people when they're vulnerable. And when I've been vulnerable, when I have received that protection, it shielded me from much worse things. And now I can provide that protection to other people. And it's very unfortunate that people don't see it the same way. And like I said, people get away with a lot of horrible and despicable things. Everyone deserves respect. Everyone deserves to feel safe. It's something that no one no one should go through.
0: That sounds... Um, so first of all, thank you for, for sharing that. But that sounds very, very serious. Um, uh, like a very serious allegation too. So is that... And I have to say personally, I did uh, encounter sexual harassment myself. So I, I did... I do know what you're talking about. The The question is like, um, did it happen... Was it like a one-time incident or is that something that you see happening uh continuously and what is the context of that so can you maybe if you if you feel comfortable doing that could you el- elaborate a little bit more on that
1: i'll talk about a more lighthearted one and uh, not lighthearted. sorry to use that term i'll talk about something that maybe we would all just brush it off because when we go to clubs for example uh you know every every woman has experienced a, a bit of a growth uh you know some sort of minor a boundary being crossed it's not okay it's absolutely not okay but compared to the scale of how messed up it can get so let's let's talk about just like i said something on the scale a little less messed up so i was working um at this on a client site they were an investment bank and this is very like bro esque culture um just all sorts of inappropriate things they would say. For me, I just laughed it off because I'm like, hey, this is the culture. But some of the other um, people from the group were very offended, very concerned about this. And the company I was working at, this was the financial fraud consultancy, they dealt with it um, tremendously. It was a client site and they said, this behavior is not okay. Do not treat our consultants like this. That was incredible. So I went to um, one of the leaving drinks of one of the um, investment um, bankers and, you know, drinks and whatever. And I don't remember exactly what happened, but someone um, grabbed my ass and <laughs> this is like you put it. Uh, so I also, you know, didn't take it so seriously. I, I uh, had the person apologizing to me um, in the morning and I said, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um and I, to be honest, um, this was like I said, was a few years ago, and I mentioned it very lightheartedly to my team because they were so upset and annoyed by all different behavior. And I said, "Oh, well, I actually experienced sexual harassment," and the project manager at the time took very uh, took my allegations very seriously. And that's the type of people you need: people that take these allegations very seriously.
0: So, Sarah, you just shared um, a story that happened to you when you were working in a consultant role with a client, which was uh, where the client was overstepping some boundaries while while having drinks. If I uh, got that correctly, and um, the question is a little bit—I I, unfortunately, I totally believe that this this is true. I can definitely imagine it specifically as a woman in a consultant role. This is happening more often than than people think. What would be your advice? Like, how should women uh, react or respond to actions like this you know getting sexual in an inappropriate context
1: for me i wasn't even aware of my my rights so what was really amazing in that situation is when i shared the story with um, my project team the project manager took action against um, the company and i also didn't think it was a big deal i didn't want to make a fuss like i said i handled it i told the person that 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 wasn't okay. And I just wanted to put it behind. And I was even leaving the company, but the project manager, he, he didn't want this to happen again to someone else. And I really wish I took action, not for myself, but for someone else. And I didn't because I didn't think it was a big deal. And that's something I always regret, but I'm also super grateful that I had as a male uh, project manager who saw the situation and wanted to end it, who wanted to take action, not even action against people around, like teams that we're working with, but a client. Yeah, that was uh, for me a life-changing moment because when I have now seen it happen to interns, for example, to, um, again, to um, fellow uh, female colleagues, not even just female colleagues. It also happens, uh, harassment can happen to, also uh, can happen to anybody, but you start to create this, um, this is not okay. Uh, You start to create this environment where you tell people this is not okay. No one can speak to you a certain way. No one can invade your personal space, especially in a work context. And what was really amazing was for me, I thought I was attending clients, leaving drinks. This is my personal time. But the way my company saw it at the time was you were at a work event and that should not have happened to you and it's my advice is to anyone who witnesses any sort of behavior please try to call it out because the person's experiencing it it doesn't know the severity or how extreme this is yeah so and if it happens unfortunately if it does happen to someone it really depends on your company and if you work for a company that doesn't see as a big deal you should not be working for that company as simple as that
0: yeah so to summarize basically uh, don't be afraid to Speak up to mention that something like this has happened to you. Um, look for allies, uh, preferably it's 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 for example it's your boss or someone in your company from HR. But at the same time, also if you just uh, observe something like this, if you're not the mm. one who is harassed, but you see harassment, speak up. Um, speak to the person who's the victim in this case. Address what happens and um, help or support that person to, absolutely to deal with the situation.
1: And also to make it very clear that any event that you attend at work where there is alcohol involved, companies need to stop having this culture of like drinking culture, do whatever you want, say whatever you want, and then not uh, taking care of the consequences. And I think environments that um, are built around this are extremely toxic and people should not be working there.
0: Talking about toxic cultures, there's a very interesting quote from you that I read. <laughs> um, it basically says um, about your career in tech that you will leave. And I quote: "The broken system that is the world of tech mid-career." Can you elaborate on this? Why is the system broken? Sure. So again,
1: this is a very sort of personal question. And let me let me just share an anecdote. Summarize um, why it's broken. So again, uh, uh, Germany obviously celebrates International Women's Day on the eighth of March. And I believe there's this cultural um, concept of giving um, women a small token or something on these days. So a male colleague asked uh, female colleagues in HR if on Women's Day um, they would send something um, from the company, and the female colleagues responded, "We can't. Um, we can't do that. We don't want to offend the men." Okay. So what's worrying about the statement? This might not even be the the women projecting how they feel about situation they're representing how um leadership feels about situation and let's face it who are in the leadership teams who are the people of influence and so it sucks that even on a day which has been um culturally historically given to women even on that day you cannot prioritize or think about their needs you're thinking about um another group who are in charge and that doesn't just apply to just um, this example it's everything if you have like a sort of a drinking culture what about people that don't drink not even religiously some people don't drink because it's just not a healthy habit uh, nobody thinks about having an event to include those people um so everything is designed to please a certain group of people in the industry but again i don't want to share like i said it's very personal so i I tried to do some research and I again understand that this could be biased towards regions and um, um, uh, again different um, um, countries in the world may have different perspectives. But there was a report published by Trust Radius in 2021. I think it is focused on um, women um, in America. Uh, But some of the stats, I guess, resonated with me and I just wanted to share them. Uh, So 72% of women in tech have worked at a company where Bro culture is pervasive. Per uh, pervasive. This was seventy-one percent last year. So it shows that even during lockdown and work uh, remote working time, this hasn't this there has been no change. This this sort of bro culture is still very um very um prevalent. Before going into why this was um, bad, I just wanted to share some other further comparisons, which is eighty-three percent of women experience this in sale and eighty percent of women in marketing experiences issue. However, only 63% of women in engineering experiences, which is uh, sort of teams I'm in. So I've had the good fortune of working with 37% of women who don't see these as issues. So it's been very frustrating for me this last year. 72% of women in tech are regularly outnumbered by men in business meetings by these two to one. And 26% of women report being outnumbered by five to one or more. Seventy-eight um, percent of women feel they have to work harder than their co-workers to prove their worth. Uh, women in tech are four times more likely um, to experience gender bias as an obstacle to promotion, but actually, only thirty-nine percent of women see gender bias as a, pro- a barrier to promotion. What's even more worrying is that women of color in tech are less confident that, um, well, they're less confident their, um, than white women about promotion prospects, and this gap has increased by three times. So it shows that the industry is not improving. It's going. It's either staying the same or it's going backwards. Um, so these are some stats that um, that just uh, resonate. This is quite a detailed report. Uh, there's also, you know, things around burnout. Um, I think 57% of women feel uh, burnout compared to men. And surprisingly, women are divided whether remote work has helped them or hurt them in their career right now. And then what I also wanted to share was when I spoke about bro culture and the problem with bro culture is that it manifests into a bad working environment. And then I discussed before these issues around sexual harassment. This happens when you have um, these cultures where you start uh, encouraging locker room talk, you start encouraging um, all sorts of toxic behavior. So that's, um, like I said, these are some uh, stats that are really powerful. And then what this paper summarizes also is um, how to support women in tech. And 78% of women say that they should uh, promote more women into leadership positions. And other solutions include providing mentoring, um, conducting unconscious bias training, and offering equal paternity and maternity leave, which possibly might be different in um, this part of the world. But... um, and again like i said these are very regional specific um but i think they can they at least capture my perspective
0: mm-hmm. so let's let's just to to uh, avoid misconception or misunderstandings let's define the word bro culture a little bit more so i mean you met you started out with mentioning not getting a gift for women's day and mm-hmm. then you explained that that drinking uh like this culture of, you know, in startups, I know that on Friday you get like this Friday mm. evening beer or Friday after, afternoon beer even. Um, but also, I, I personally also know the, the pressure, the peer pressure, I would say, to yeah. to drink at company events. Um, so, but I don't know if that, I'm not sure this is absolutely, you know, that's the one thing, bro culture and this kind of behavior. So, what how would you define bro culture from your point of view? Mm.
1: So I, I, sorry, I'm sort of merging like different points. I'm saying drinking could be one possibility. I mean, for me, bro culture, again, how can I explain it? Every time, again, you look at a job um, posting, uh, they'll always have, oh, we have a football table. We have a kicker table. Oh, we play Nerf guns. Everything is tailored to please. Again, like I said, it's always tailored to please a certain um, group in the industry. Um, Other examples, you know, video games night. But again, like for me, what's, I think what's the most um, problematic part of bro culture is the fact that women are outnumbered in meetings that show there's not equal representation. It's not like the world is (laughs) 10% women and 90% men. The world is 50 50. Uh, Meetings should also be 50 50. Um, So I think, and the problem is also when you do talk in these meetings, it's not because women are afraid of talking in meetings or, oh no, there's 10 men in the meeting, I can't. Men don't create the space because, like I said, they have all their inside jokes. and they also say really nasty things about women behind their back when you're in a meeting um, and, and you know this uh, other women the other men are saying they're commenting about your appearance I'm not saying I'm not saying that the, the other way doesn't apply as well but it's just it's really um for me it's just very um, it's very exclusive behavior it's very outdated behavior actually some of these statistics that I was sharing is there's also, also a factor of age so women um that work in more traditional companies and from experience I've spoken to some women they say you know that uh the men will not answer the phone for example or if the doorbell rings they don't get up because the women should be doing that and then women are perceived as um as um anything but doing their jobs and and so it's it's also very age specific uh but what's really harmful from a personal experience so like we were talking about friday drinks pretty normal um all I was doing was just having like, you know, just joining in some games and um, just being silly. And then uh, some men decided to like assassinate my character just because, why not? They're allowed to say whatever they want. And it was something along the lines, um, she looks like someone that will go home with anyone. I don't understand what I did. I don't understand what exactly about my behavior triggered such a hurtful remark. Because he said it to someone who happened to be my friend, he shared this information with me. But again, he could have stopped this information. And what really sucks is that his um, wife, my friend who shared this information with me, she was annoyed with me for uh, confronting this, this man, because I wanted to tell him it's not okay to talk about female colleagues like this. So this is what I meant by like, this sort of bro culture, like where this you know locker room talk is okay. And this is one of many incidences. And I, I have lots of male friends, so they share this. They don't stop it. They just share this information. and. Um, for example, um the company I work for currently uh, is called Update, and our Slack channel is called Updudes. So it's constantly it's just a constant reminder for me that it's like, hey, it's all about the men. Let's all please the men. And we don't we don't want or care about anybody else's perspective. And maybe the women's movement is changing, but there's so many other minority groups. There are so many other groups that we still have to keep fighting for. So if we cannot even, create environments where we're moving away from these bro cultures, then there is no hope for the future. And I don't know how we can create more
0: inclusive environments. Mm. So uh, several several points here. So first of all, personally, just, just catching up on some things you said, uh, personally, f- I don't like uh, soccer. I'm not a fan. And (laughs) uh, trying to get me, win me for a job, is saying you have a you have a soccer table. But But, uh, on the other hand, I have a very good friend, a female friend, Mm -hmm. and she she loves. soccer table yeah she loves Mm. kicker and like whenever we go to a bar the first thing she she checks is is there like a kicker table so for her it would probably be different um so i'm not sure that's like i get your point i get the direction you want to go to but you know i think there are women and men attracted by certain things What what the other thing that i do completely um, um see the same way is being having a minority of women being represented in meetings. So the mm-hmm. share of women in meetings. Um, I, I work in leadership positions for like 10 years now and it has never been the other way around. So in most mm-hmm. meetings, I've been, specifically leadership meetings, the women were the minority always. And mm-hmm. not just women, but all kinds of, like people of color weren't weren't represented. Some, mostly mm-hmm. there was no diversity at all. Mm-hmm. So... I, I totally get that point and I do think that's something that needs to, that's concerning. And I also know a lot of frustration from female friends and other leadership positions who say, oh, I cannot stand it. There's another founders team. There's another top leadership team with only men. So there is this, mm-hmm. I, I, I know a certain frustration from women working in tech, specifically in mm-hmm. leadership positions, uh, who, who also have the feeling that they would never get on a high, on a certain level right so there's mm-hmm. like this glass ceiling as it's called mm-hmm. so so i do get that um i also know the problem with the wording so i personally also said a lot of times i said hey guys right mm-hmm. but you need to <laughs> realize that guys is something where you can basically not include women it's it's guys as men right so uh starting to learn to say folks instead for example as an alternative was something mm-hmm. i had to, to learn as well and that basically shows t- shows how deep in our everyday life in our yeah in our society this is implemented this yeah this this how how, i don't know how to say it how male dominated our day-to-day life and even language is right Mm. so that sounds like a massive challenge and she also said like i'm I don't know how to fix that. But still, mm-hmm. let's, let's try to discuss this a little, like what would need to change? You said yeah. the system is broken. I assume you said the system is broken because it is still very male dominated because we are, as you said, still don't even manage to have like equality between men and women. How should we de- then ensure there's equality even for other minorities? Mm-hmm. So how Sorry, can we fix Pina, that? Bef-
1: before we move into this, I just wanted to um, I just wanted to raise a point about what you said about uh, uh, football tables or whatever. So, for example, it's not all women don't like football tables. I did not say that. So the, the problem is the uh, what happens is even if you happen to like football or these football tables, nobody ever asks. nobody ever includes the. The women in their teams, this has been happening for years. Um, these this joke about, oh, if you want to catch up with your colleagues on Monday, you need to you know, have some football updates or something. But everyone just assumes that you don't like football. Yes, I am one of the people that <laughs> doesn't like football. But like you said, <laughs> there are plenty of women that do like football. They most probably like football more than their male equivalent. But the assumption is always made that they don't like these things. Yet somehow all these offices are designed around these these games and and tables and and these are used as their perks they don't they don't they don't actually and and so again it's exclusive at least for me it's exclusive because i don't get to take advantage of these perks and the amount of times i've had to just sit um sit aside while everyone else in the company is playing something i mean i've worked in companies very small companies where i've been the only female and it's been 12 men so i've worked in lots of different types of environments and i i've you know, come to these conclusions, like, like I said, I didn't want to make it from a personal perspective. That's why I was trying to share of uh, the statistics. But um, I, for, everyone is going to be impacted by these cultures differently. And that's, that's, that's the worrying part. So I'm a- affected by these um, cultures in a certain way. Uh, you may be like, you've shared um, your experiences, other women will be affected by it differently. Or maybe you're the fortunate 40, 50% that isn't, But again why don't we do something to help um help the the group that is affected by this and that that comes um so sorry back to your your question about yeah how can we fix this i mean it's gonna be time unfortunately we have to just be patient that like i said it's also generational so It's really interesting when you hear um, Generation Z talking about uh, millennials, because they blame us for all the products that we build. They blame us for um, suicide rates going up amongst uh, teenagers because of Instagram and social media. I never thought my generation was responsible for this, but that's how Generation Z feels about it. And I guess I feel about that with the generation before, that they just don't get it. They don't see the world the same way. Um, I do, and I think unfortunately we just have to give a little bit of time and, uh, so just time is an unfortunate part. And so hopefully the people that are dinosaur views will become extinct or retire (laughs) soon. Um, that's, you know, one thing, um, but the other part is the importance of not diversity. This is such a simplistic view of seeing it. It's inclusion. It's about equity. These are the, all the different things that you need to think about when building teams. Um, and like I said, it's not just so the fight for women is one thing, but the fight for women of color is very different. And I don't feel there's a lot of um, conversations. I don't I don't see that. I feel like I'm one of the few women of color in my industry. Who's talking about this? And I think, again, this is a very, and so nobody listens. Why would they listen? Uh, because of all the issues that I'm saying. So it's. It keeps getting, the groups keep getting smaller and smaller. And we're all just like, please listen to us. Please listen to us. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, it isn't just a quick fix. I shared some from the report, which was around women in leadership. Um, and I think, yeah, definitely unconscious bias training. It might maybe open up people's minds a little bit more so they see where they're biased. I mean, we're all guilty of being biased. We're not all perfect. Um, so that that might open up the way we do our hiring. Um, it's just... It's unfortunate because there's so many different areas where bias exists. We also talk about how do we get more women into the industry, but then when hiring happens, um, when recruiters especially, they only they only um, contact, or they're more likely to contact men than women. And then they show profiles to people. Uh, and then it's just that's unfortunate the pool just becomes male dominated. But what's really interesting, a lot of recruiters are doing this now, they're removing names. They're doing this to protect themselves, but that's a really interesting way of approaching hiring. Let's remove names. Let's not give people any clues about gender or um, your background or anything that might show that you might be a minority and see how the hiring process turns out. And so I don't know how it could continue. I don't know how you could actually do very fair hiring processes, Um, but that's one solution. And also within the company, having fair growth framework, having fair opportunities, not just constantly hiring a certain profile, a certain candidate, just because they, they tick your box from your viewpoint, but have free, uh, fair and objective growth frameworks. And where there is talent that maybe is not just there, but maybe you can create opportunities. Maybe you can try to invest um, uh, sort of leadership programs for women that have potential. And a lot of companies are doing this. So what I have unfortunately experiences when I bring these topics up, it's dealt with a lot of defense. Uh, it's very people become very defensive. They're like, oh, we just promote based on competency. And I'm like, okay, so basically all the women in the companies aren't competent. That's why we're not getting promoted. That's why all the tech leadership is male, because we're just not competent. Um so that's that's a, I don't think that's true. That's not true at all. Uh, but not everyone else wants to fix the broken system. That's another reality. I've been trying my best to fight for um, certain uh, women in my company. And they don't they don't see it that way. They don't particularly care. So I'm like, why am I fighting for them? Why am I going out? Why, what, what is the point of me fighting for these people when they're happy staying in the broken system? Uh, for them, it's like, oh, it's okay. I'll, I'll take an extra 5K. I, I don't want to judge. I, I, I sound really douchey when I'm saying right now. But some people are okay with the broken system. Some people don't want to challenge the system. So if you're the type of person that does and wants to, like we are, you know, we're all very vocal, we've all done a lot of work, we're all like, hey, it's it's time for a change. I think we're the minority and we need more support, not just from fellow women, but from, we need everyone saying the same narrative that there is a problem. And it's really, really unfortunate because that's not the message. There's enough people out there saying no everything's okay. No everything's not broken. And how do you fight against that?
0: It's very frustrating. Hmm. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean if how the way I see it is there are there are at least two answers to your to your challenge that you mentioned to the broken system. So the first one is like what you see in politics uh, in the politics is um you need mm. like a quote a, a, you need a certain share of women by law in certain high-level positions, yeah, in, mm. in, in the board um, of a company. The other thing that I see that is mentioned a lot by the gene Z people or younger generations is actually don't use gender. Mm. So, like, don't make a difference between men and women at all. Just see them as humans, right? So I, mm. I, I saw this for the very first time when I was at a panel discussion and we were discussing... Uh, something similar, like the female empowerment in the tech world, etc. And then there was like a very young person in the audience saying, "Hey, I don't understand why you're still discussing gender roles, mm. because for us, for our generation, we just don't see a difference in any way, in not in, in a negative or a positive way between genders. It's fluid, right? So there's mm. this whole uh, also there's this whole transition um, into one person." Um, going away mm-hmm. from two different persons. And I do see the potential of, of, of both things, but I also know that both things are heavily uh, discussed. I think the first one maybe more than the second one. So basically mm-hmm. granting a certain share of women in boards um, mm-hmm. by law. And there's a lot of discussion, but I mean, the reason why they think they need to force it is if I get uh, argumentation right, is because they say it doesn't happen otherwise, right mm. so nothing changes if you don't force it so mm. it's a little bit uh it's not just about vocalizing and 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 crit- maybe criticizing and saying that there's a problem but it's mm. it's also maybe about official institutions taking certain steps to ensure that things happen but it's mm. not it's not where the journey ends because what I also see is when this is forced, that then women are hired in, I would say, typical female positions, if we want to follow mm. the cliché. So like uh, human resources or, or mm. maybe communications, but not so much, for example, in, in tech. Mm. So I think there was just one very uh, public case. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't really know. I think it was Volkswagen. It was like a big German uh, corporation Mm. and they wanted to vote up a woman into the board for the tech for the leading tech role um mm. it was already been published and communicated everywhere and then in the last minute they step back saying they are not sure that if they hire a woman into this position that she resonates well with the people who work in that area there you
1: go <laughs> and that, that was... goes back to you're trying to please the masses and who is who who are them who are is who who is the mass like who are I don't
0: even know what the correct word
1: is majority who is the majority (laughs) yeah Yeah, 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 yeah. like they
0: try to like with this decision they try to keep the status quo right they didn't want to make a change so it's about making a change and we all know no one likes change Mm -hmm. um or most people don't like change or having difficulties with it so yeah it's it, it is um I think it is not as hopeless as you say, because uh, I see a lot of discussion happening on different levels. Um, And yes, there's, on the one hand, the younger generation pushing for a change, maybe one day implementing the change, right? Um, And on the other hand, you see a lot of stuff, discussions at least happening on on the official level in the politics. But yeah, I mean, in the end it's about it's about everyone so i think it needs to be part of the culture of a company it needs to be like when you define the positioning of a young tech startup it needs to be part Mm -hmm. of the culture as part of the positioning it needs to be part of that already so basically the foundation of the startup needs to consider uh, inclusion Mm -hmm. um, and needs to consider the right culture for all people and Mm -hmm. not just for those who are similar to the founders
1: Exactly, and there you go. But but that that either is again a, a a new a fresh start. So like you know companies really starting from the beginning. But unfortunately, the thing is these conversations that you're talking about are happening. Everyone's so open minded and saying like, hey, these are the problems. They don't happen at the at a board level. They don't happen at the people who are making the decisions. They don't. They don't. This doesn't even cross their mind. And. That is, you're completely. Like, it's also very dependent on the type of company, um, the, the the sort of morals that companies run on. I think that's what I've realized over time is what sort of morals does the company run on, and that's very important to me. So I'm now I feel like I'm in a position where I can make active choices about working for companies that are in line with my principles, that are talking about these topics, that do want to make a change, and the people that don't. What can you say about them? They're happy with the way things are. Good for them. I'm not trying to fight against these people. I'm just walking away from these people. Let's see. Let's see what the what. Let's see what the future looks like. Um, I think there's just like I said, there's issues getting more women into the industry. There's getting women getting them to leadership positions, and there's also issues trying to nurture talent. Um, and that's something that I, I feel. Um, is lacking right now, and so I don't. I don't know. I like I said. I shared a statistic where around 50% of women leave the um, they leave tech um, midway uh, through their career, and I feel as time goes on, I feel closer and closer to that exit. And what these women uh, do, they start their own businesses. They become freelancers. Um, maybe education is another option, but that's unfortunate. We 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 need to. Um, we need to keep the talent as well, and we need to also have that conversation. But like I said, I can talk to you about it. I can talk to our entire community about it. There are people talking about it, but I can't talk to the people I actually work for, and that sucks because it's not—it's just—it's not something that crosses their mind. Um, and so you do feel, yeah, you do feel like you're kind of fighting. You do feel like you're um, a little unempowered, and you feel you're fighting a lost cause, but. There are people that want to listen, there are people that are like you said fighting, there are people that have these conversations and we just need to keep keep that needs to explode and we need to get the people on board who aren't having these conversations and how do we do that I don't know but they're not listening to me that's for sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they, I wouldn't be so sure about that that they don't listen to you. Um, it's an interesting statement that you said like you know you don't have the f- impression that you can address these concerns to to people you work for, like was is so. First of all, is there is there any company where you feel the culture was already going in the right direction? Is there any company where where you felt like it's going in the right yeah in the right direction? Um,
1: I don't. I I can't really comment. Like I said, I think sometimes my issues might not represent the um, the feeling of the entire group, just because either I have been literally one of the very few data scientists in a company, and that's some frustration that come with that. And so I'm actually moving to Artsy in a few weeks, and it's a product that I really love, I really believe in. And I've always wanted to work there. Lots of people want to work for Fangs, for me is Artsy. So I'm just, I was just so excited to be part of their um, interview process and um, receive the job offer. And midway through, they shared something um, called their engineering principles. And I I had tears in my eyes because I just wasn't expecting it. I wasn't expecting uh, some company to have all my frustrations, everything that I've been feeling the last few years, how deflated I feel on a piece of paper saying, like, what's important to us? People, psychological safety, how to create environments where women engineers can actually work. And these people are talking about this. I don't know what it's going to be like. I still think they have some um, some diversity issues their, themselves, but they're talking about it. And that's the first place I've seen people being so open and honest and re- reflecting all my frustrations. So I'm really hopeful that it works out and that the nightmare is behind me. But unfortunately, <laughs> apart from, apart from uh, these engineering principles, I have not experienced so much openness about these topics and someone actually saying uh, these topics are, are are important and they need to be changed. Uh, the last feedback that I got from uh, the CTO uh, was, I shouldn't take things so personally and that work and private life are separate. So that should give you a flavor of what sort of people I've been
0: working with. <laughs> yeah, that's that's easy to say. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's that leaves me a little bit speechless. To be honest, I I don't no. know. I mean, it's like who can make who can make the change? It's on the one hand, it's us, of course, um, but on the other hand, it's those who are already in positions who define the company of a culture who live the company uh, the culture of a company, um, and. I think if someone from from these people is listening to this podcast, I think the first thing you should do is maybe start a conversation about it. Uh, I don't know, Sarah, if you would agree on that or not. But um, start a conversation about how different people in different roles feel um, and experience the culture, and what maybe just involve them actively in how culture would need to change. In order to address everyone's needs, not just from a certain group, if this is an issue that is occurring in certain companies. How like are, I
1: said, uh, what, yeah, like I said, uh, sorry I just to add, like I said, I really tried. I tried because for me, um, the work was really interesting. And I, I really, uh, unfortunately, my personality type is one of those personality types is very value driven. So I, I tried um, to have a very open, non-judgmental conversation about this would be like hey this is my perspective this is how i feel these are my things and i've been backlashed with a being called childish i've been backlash with the feedback that i gave you i've been backlashed with oh there are no problems you're just creating problems we wanted to hire this back-end lead ones and i've been backlashed with there are no problems why are you like i said why are you creating them so it's it's not it's 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 not um that's not a very positive environment and this what's um really unfortunate is that other members in the company that feel discrimination they refuse to speak out about it because they have this mindset which is also like private life and personal life is okay we've experienced discrimination our entire careers we just you know we get paid and that's that's enough for now. They don't need to know our frustrations. And I have tried to be a voice um, for these people as well, obviously not sharing their stories or anything, but like I said, it just falls on deaf ears. And maybe if I was white, maybe they would have listened. And that's what I meant by like, you're just, um, as a woman of color, you're just lowest on their chain of people they're going to listen to. And I thought the last words that the CTO said to me were Just, they were, I've been thinking a lot about them. Kind of like, what benefit does he think this advice is giving me? How does this shape me as a person? How does this help my career? And these examples of like uh, benevolent sexism, they happen all the time. And we're always so quick to criticize and um, take away what makes people unique, what makes them shine. And yeah, like I said, that's really unfortunate. So that's why, like I, I was talking about back to the lessons. It's like let's not let's not internalize this, right? This is one person's opinion. This is how this person rules over their company. Good for them. So, I, I'm out. <laughs> you're out. <laughs> yeah. So
0: maybe maybe as as also as the last words of this podcast, if you could give send a message to those decision makers you've worked with before, and maybe also those who think, okay, I don't want to make the same mistake. What would be your advice to them?
1: Yeah, so um, the CTO did actually ask me um, advice and I've been thinking a lot about constructive feedback and this isn't constructive for them because things work a certain way. Like I said, uh, people in the company don't have an issue. So my fight is um, useless. But my advice is that people need to not care about diversity. People need to care about inclusion and people need to care about creating fair opportunities. And why do they need to care about this? Well, because the world is not gonna become a better place. Your product is not gonna be- become any better. Your efficiency is not going to get any better. You're just, you're, it's a, like a sinking ship. So we really need to care about these issues more, not just look around and be like, oh, I have four women in my team, I'm doing so well. How many women do you have in leadership? As you mentioned as well about the um, criteria. And also, are you really creating an inclusive environment are you providing fair opportunities for everyone in your company? Um, because the the range of um, uh, the, the the range of things that we need to consider now, uh, the toilets are one, for example. Like I talk about this this drinking culture, there's so many things, so many little things. And and there are people out there that are doing this. There's so many diversity and inclusion officers now. Uh, it's just just hire them. Create a truly inclusive environment. And then you'll see the benefits naturally. You'll see a greater product. You'll see your team efficiency going up. You'll see more people staying. You'll see people actually happy and working. Um, but that's just my my viewpoint. This is how I would love to see the world. But I don't see people sharing that because at least from my experience, I haven't. And yeah, I hope I'm I hope I I hope I'm proved wrong in the future and and I also I like I said I think we'll naturally start to see a change and I'm I'm looking I'm looking forward to yeah I'm I'm looking forward to um I I am sorry I shouldn't just end with all like doom and gloom I mean the industry is cool the work is interesting the hours are good it's flexible I mean you could actually the thing the great thing is that you could have a family and work without these dramas of having to be in the office by nine o'clock and have to leave at five o'clock it's a great industry it's the perfect industry and environment and to work in so please let's work on the culture so that women can take advantage of this beautiful (laughs) work-life balance and that does exist and i shouldn't i shouldn't be so 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 negative but we do need more allies that's the positive message i'd like to leave on please be an ally to women in tech and when women in tech, especially women of color, are angry and frustrated, listen to them. Bloody listen to them.
0: <laughs> that's that's a great sentence to, to end this episode. Sarah, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I think we should definitely follow up after a certain time to see uh, if there's any progress in your point of view. Uh, thank you for sharing your, your, your experiences and uh, your story. And uh, yeah. Uh, Good luck with your new job that's coming up now.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. And keep, keep fighting, keep supporting women. And yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for letting me share my story so openly. Thank you.
0: That was another episode from Chirp, a podcast by Lernen wie Maschinen. Thank you for listening. I will share all the important links in the show notes. And I'm happy to read your feedback. So shoot me an email. Also, the email address is in the show notes. And if you have a story to tell about women and minorities in tech or AI, feel free to write me as well. Talk to you soon.